When the CEO of Infogrames announced that he wanted to make a game that used matches to play with light and dark, Frederic Reynal jumped at a chance to make a game inspired by his favorite horror movies like Dawn of the Dead. Also taking inspiration from Edgar Allan Poe and H.P. Lovecraft, Reynal and his team made a game that is considered to be the first 3D survival horror game, Alone in the Dark. And today we're going to talk all about it, along with the history of its development studio Infogrames and the legacy it left behind. So stick around and join us for today's trip down memory card lane. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope these words find you healthy and well. Hello and welcome to the 91st episode of our video game nostalgia podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week we take a look back at one game relevant to the current week in gaming history, and we talk about it. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the game, what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world as its legacy. This week... We are looking back at Alone in the Dark, developed and published by Infogrames and originally released for MS-DOS in 1992. I'm David Casson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, who often likes to explore people's creepy attics, my brother, Rob Casson. Rob, what's the most interesting thing that you found up there? A very, very large spider. It was pretty cool. You know what? That's not what I expected. I don't have a retort for that. A really I large mean, we're, spider. We're talking like six feet. Oh, like Lord of the Rings spider, like Shaloub spider. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty creepy, actually. It definitely was. Did it try to, like, eat you? Well, no, it was turned off. <laughs> oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, uh, what you been playing this week? Well, I'm playing some Banner Lord. I uh, got some Forza in for a change. I That's was playing that did. the other night. Yep. Uh, obviously, some good old Rocket League. Yep. Some RuneScape. Yep. And we did some more Terraria. We did more Terraria. Yes, indeed. Yes, that yes, we did. Indeed. How about yourself, Dave? I. Rocket League and Terraria are on the list. Terraria. Rah, 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 rah. Um, what else? I played a little bit of Cuphead. I played a little bit of a game called Medieval Dynasty. I've played a little bit of Jurassic World Evolution 2. I've been having a week where I can't stick to one thing. My attention span is all over the place, and that's that. So... I think I played some Rogue, Rogue Legacy 2 as well. It's just been all over the place. So Sometimes you have weeks like that, Dave. Yeah, I just can't. I mean, it's fun playing Terraria when it's all of us, but when you guys are up to other things, we, you know, you're the same way. We don't play it solo. And I, I haven't really had anything else that really grabbed my attention. Although I just started Medieval Dynasty last night, and I would like to continue playing that. So that that's probably might be the one for a moment, so... Uh, yeah, so Alone in the Dark. You know Alone in the Dark at all? 
Uh, I find that to be myself every night. Very true. Very true. Don't want to know more about it than that. But have you heard of the video game series? No, Dave. And gross. <laughs> well, it gets only better from here because we're going to talk about Alone in the Dark. Which is published and developed by Infogrames, which we really haven't covered Infogrames before. So I want to take a brief moment and talk about them. Infogrames was a developing publishing entertainment interactive entertainment company they were they were kind of big at one point uh mid 90s i think it is they started all the way back in 1983 and uh that no i'm not shitting you looked up their history according to wikipedia their history their early founders wanted to christian the company so call the system zaboob system a which roughly translates from French to English as dick system. That is incredible. (laughs) Wow. I I was like, what the hell? I don't know why. There's no explanation. Zaboob is slang for penis in French, apparently. And that's what they wanted. Uh, Dick system. And um, yeah. They should have kept it. Yeah, much they better didn't. than infogrames. Yeah, well, you know, maybe against their better judgment, they ended up changing their name to infogrames, which is a portmanteau, which we've covered those before. Do you remember those? I remember hearing about it, but I don't like it's isn't it like just a combination of two words? That is like Metroidvania. That's when we talked about ah, it. Ah, yes, yes. Or iPod was a portmanteau. Podcast is a portmanteau. So, yeah, so they are words that are, are combinations. So these uh, infogrames is a portmanteau of informatique, which is information, and program A, which is program in French, and there you go, infogrames. So. Gotcha. Now, throughout the late 80s, infogrames was known for a bunch of really original and humorous games to French, to, to the, you know, French gamers. Uh, but it they really weren't a worldwide name per se until here in 1992 when alone in the dark was released and they became known to the world. And while I, I will get to the story of alone in the dark, I wanted to kind of keep going with infogrames because there's something about them that I learned that is really interesting that you may not know either. So in the late 90s, like I said, Infogrames was a big company. They basically embarked on an acquisition campaign with the objective to become the world's leading interactive entertainment publisher. Obviously, I don't think they succeeded. Uh, do you hear the name Infogrames anymore? All the time. Oh, all the time. Well, no, you're not going to have heard Infogrames because there's a very good reason for that. So among all the acquisitions they made, which were many, there's one in particular that we need to talk about. In 2001, they brought Hasbro Interactive, uh, which aside from the Hasbro catalog, games made using Hasbro things, they acquired two more brands. One was Microprose, which gave them at the time rights to the Civilization series and Roller Coaster Tycoon, two games that we've covered in earlier episodes. But secondly, and most importantly, they gained the Atari name and its properties, such as Centipede, Missile Command, and Pong. Now... We're not here to talk about infogrames, so I'll keep a long story short. They were sold, they merged, they bankrupt, they restructured, they did this, they did that. And the end result is that right now, 
that company is the current owner of the Atari brand. Oh, and earlier this year, they bought MobyGames.com, which is where we pull review from all the time. That, that's pretty That's pretty impressive. So Infogrames became Atari Interactive, which along with a bunch of other Atari spinoffs all came together under the Atari SA brand, which is what they are known as today. So Infogrames is actually now Atari. I didn't know that. I feel like I should have known that, but I didn't know that. So I thought I would pass that little bit of information on to our listeners. That is pretty interesting, Dave. Yeah. Now... Really quick, let's talk about, just so you know all the stuff they've had their hands in, let's talk about some of the games that the Infogrames Atari banner has published or developed over the years, such as Test Drive 6, Unreal Tournament 2000, NASCAR Heat, NASCAR Dirt Daytona, Stuntman, Ikaruga, which 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 we which we talked about. Oh, wasn't uh, that that crazy shooter one? Like it, the, uh... the, Yep, with the colors, the white and the black colors. Yeah. Roller Coaster Tycoon, Enter the Matrix, Dragon Ball Z Budokai is a oh. infogram slash Atari series. Interesting. Didn't realize that. Unreal 2, Driver 3, Test Drive Eva Destruction, some Ghostbuster video games. What? Tons of series that we're familiar with have gone through this banner. So fun fact, Infogrames is now Atari. Which I had no clue. Didn't even know who they were, but apparently I should have. Actually, you know, it's funny. It, it, it maybe I did. Well, no, because it's under the Atari name, right? Uh, they, I mean, it, it took some time and I can't remember now exactly when they became one and the other. I, I, I don't remember when Infogrames disappeared, but there was a lot to this. Like, you know, uh, at one point they were owned by Bandai Namco and became a Bandai Namco partner. And then that was merged or sold or like they've gone through, they've changed hands so many times. In fact, I think one day I might do that as an episode. I was thinking I wrote that down as a future note to be really fun because that Atari name looks like it's passed hands so freaking many times that now I'm kind of interested in digging into just that concept and exploring it. But that's, that's a later date kind of thing. But way back in the 90s they made alone in the dark now alone in the dark story starts all the way back in 1989 when frederick frederick renal a staff programmer at infogrames was assigned the job of porting an early 3d game called alpha waves to various pc platforms now alpha waves was a 1993 3d game that combined labyrinth exploration with platform gameplay have, have you ever heard of alpha waves before I do not believe that I'm familiar with that term. It's all right. I grew up in that era and I've never heard of Alpha Waves. But historically, it is pretty much considered to be the first true 3D platform game in history. The work that he did on Alpha Waves inspired him to create a tool that would allow him to easily create and animate 3D characters. So he did this tool... He programmed, he ported things, he worked at Infogrames for a while. And in 1991, the CEO of Infogrames proposed a game to the to the company as a whole in which the player would use matches to gain views of an otherwise dark environment. His idea was pretty much light a match, you can see everything. No match, you can't see anything. It sounds so basic. You know, nowadays, we use that kind of gameplay all the time. But at the time, no one was messing with stuff like that, right? 
Sure. Now, Reynal was a fan of horror films, such as Dawn of the Dead, and he saw this as a grand opportunity to create a horror-based video game, the one he always wanted to create. And so he pitched this notion to the CEO, and in turn was given the green light to lead the project. Now, at the time, this was a working project. It had a title. Uh, it was either called In the Dark. They also kind of threw around the, uh, it being called Scream or Screams in the Dark. And with this basic notion, playing with light and dark and knowing they want to do a horror-themed game, this was taken to the artistic director of Infogrames, who rendered a series of concept sketches using white chalk and black paper. In turn... These sketches were given to all the artists in the company and Infogrames held an internal contest in order to pick the game's graphic artist. Now, this ended up being a person called Yael Baraz. Baraz? Baraz. Let's go with Baraz. As this was happening, Reynal was working on putting the game together otherwise, such as some concepts he came up with he knew for a fact that he was going to have to use text to convey the backstory because he realized that computer graphics just weren't advanced enough to be frightening on their own. He also determined the game's setting. He ended up on choosing a 1920s manor, uh, a big enough house, as he put it, where you could start out in the attic and have to completely explore it before finding a way out. Now, the 1920s time period was on purpose, it also allowed for some weapons to be used while avoiding some of the complexity of the modern era. Like, for instance, he felt that electricity uh, would have caused atmospheric and consistency problems with the design he had in mind. Now, like other... We, we've had this conversation before in the early 90s, right? Design teams have all these ideas and they just don't have the tools, the technology, or the know-how to put them into motion, right? Right. And some have overcome that because we, we know that there are like, we, you know, we recently talked about Wolfenstein where id and all the programmers in id invented the technology that they're so famous for that everyone ended up copying, you know, and it wasn't quite like that here. Reynal had wanted to create the game's background from scanned photos of an actual mansion built in the twenties but they just they couldn't. The idea was too ambitious for them. The technology couldn't do it. The computers couldn't do it or else they couldn't figure it out. And so what they ended up doing was hand drawing the polygons, the bitmaps and the textures. And so what they ended up doing is they created Alone in the Dark as a 3D game rendered on a 2D background. Now we've seen this before. Uh, we've seen this before and the game that made it famous and that everyone's going to know when it's like, what it looks like once I tell you is Resident Evil. You know, Resident Evil is the same way. Resident Evil, they have that fixed camera cinematic angle that, you know, the, the rendered backgrounds, your 3D character who moves and the camera's at a fixed angle, right? Right. I mean, that's, you, can you follow the way it's designed? Yeah, no, I can. Okay, all right. They they liked the idea of these fixed camera angles, and they 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 felt that they helped them set up dramatic scenes more easily. So in September of 1991, with all this stuff in place, Ray Nall, the artistic director whose last name is Chan Fry, and Baraz, 
who was the graphic artist, they designed this playable version of Alone in the Dark, Alone in the Dark to the hires up at Infogrames, and it was given a green light. So at that, they brought on a little bit more staff, another programmer, composer, I think another artist, and they all got to work at filling in the rest of the game. Now, at this point, it almost became a different game. Infogrames acquired the license to the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game, the license to it, which would open open up a whole world of, of possibilities with the with the you know Lovecraftian um, Lovecraftian background and and Cthulhu and everything. But before they could get too far with it, the owner of the role playing the game license decided that Alone in the Dark, what they saw of it, was too simple to do justice to the complexity of their pen and paper game. So they pulled the license. Which is kind of interesting, though, because had they not pulled the license, this may not be Alone in the Dark. This may actually be a, a Call of Cthulhu uh, series. And you have to wonder if its popularity would be any different with that behind it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know. Nobody does. But or do they? Or do mm. they? I know. I know. Also, at this time, when the game started, you have a choice between a male and a female character with slightly different premises behind them. This was done at this point in the game because the conventional wisdom at the time was for game developers, the the conventional wisdom of game developers, rather, was such that a game would appeal to female gamers more if it had a female playable character. Now, throughout most of the production, the team worked really well together and they excitedly worked on the game. You know, production was typically said to have been met with a spirit of optimism and creative enthusiasm, but the latter part of it, the bug testing phase, really seemed to get some of them. It got to Raynal very specifically, who said that by the time it was released, he felt dissatisfied with almost every aspect of Alone in the Dark and felt that all of its flaws would be noticed by players above everything else. I will tell you, though, Rob, admittedly, there may be one other reason that Raynal was was just burnt out at this point and that was he was super tired so during production of the game he and the graphic artist yael baraz became romantically involved uh they got pregnant and they had a child while they were working on the game uh at one point he said during a particular month it would have been august of the year it was released the phone kept ringing and his stomach would drop because he knew it was either a bug or the hospital calling wow Hey, that's one good thing to come of it. I mean, he they're still together to this day. I mean, that's definitely good. Now, this is kind of, this no, it's true. It's good. It's good. It's great that they that they're together. That's, you know, something positive came from this game. I mean, a lot of positive things came to this game, which we'll talk about, but for them, very positive, right? They met, they got married. They have a family now. So 30 years later. Actually, exactly 30 years later, isn't it? Ooh. Mm. So this was kind of unfortunate for Ray now because at one point late in the process, he was asked to make a change to the game's credit. And after game created by which initially had had his name, Frederick Raynal, he was asked by an Infogrames manager to change it to Infogrames. Now, he didn't fight. He was beat down. His confidence was gone. He was tired. So he relented. So Alone in the Dark comes out. Uh, and we'll talk about this more momentarily, but it was a commercial success, 
but this change and the way he was treated at this point really left a bad taste in his mouth. You know, he felt that he deserved credit for creating the game, which started the whole Alone in the Dark series, which is a series now, and he didn't get the recognition he deserved. So he, along with most of the rest of the team, left Infogrames almost immediately. I mean, they left. The game came out, and it, it like before they could even, you know, feel the the success of their you know all their hard work they were they were gone now Reynal is not a well-known name he did go on to create a franchise called little big adventure which they recently just announced the third game in the series last year no one knows it doesn't have a release date yet in 2017 he returned to the horror genre with a game called too dark critics weren't in love with it but you can buy it on steam for instance where it rates mostly positive um, so, I mean, he's done okay for himself. He's just not, he's not a rock star in the industry, you know? So, um, he's not a rock star in the industry, but he did create Alone in the Dark, you know? That he did? Pretty impressive. Yeah. So let's talk about Alone in the Dark. Let's. So as the story goes, and it's 30 years, so uh, spoilers, if you don't want to know about this game, if you ever plan on playing it, you know, don't listen to the next probably five minutes or so, but it's been 30 years. I don't feel the need to not spoil 30 year old games. Back in 1924, as the story goes, a noted artist and owner of a Louisiana mansion called Dorsetto commits suicide by hanging himself. Now this comes as no surprise to anyone because Dorsetto is widely known to be haunted by an evil power so the case is swept under the rug by police and the, situ- the, the situation and the manner for that ma- matter is really just largely forgotten about. Now, you can play the game, as I noted, as one of two characters. One is Edward Carnby, who is a private investigator that is sent to find a piano that can be found in the house's loft for an antique dealer. And the other is Emily Hartwood, who was niece to the artist who wants to find the piano because she believes it has a secret drawer in it that contains his suicide note. And she wants to know what the hell happened. Either way, you go to the mansion, you walk in through the doors and the dorm slam shut behind you and they can't be opened with nothing else to do. You find your way to the attic where you're attacked by monsters and you have to work your way all the way back down to all the, through all the floors of the house to find your way out. That's the, that's the story in a nutshell. Gotcha. I mean, that's the premise. You know, this story is very heavily influenced by Edgar Allan Poe. And I said in H.P. Lovecraft, even though they lost the license to Cthulhu, it still has in there. You can find the Necronomicon in the mansion's library, along with a few other books. There are actually books in the library that, uh, like, in their role-playing series are bad books, like, known that you don't ever touch them. And if you read them in the game, they instantly kill you. Um, and the story is not bad. Um, you know, as it goes, as you go, play your way through the game, you find out that the house was built by an occultist pirate. <laughs> surprise, surprise. An occultist, right? Right. Uh, and he basically built the house with caverns underneath that he used for dark rituals that were meant to make him rich and live forever. Excuse me. That were meant to make him rich and live forever. Uh, typical bad guy stuff, right? Yeah, a little bit. Now, this plan didn't go so well. 
because he was shot and his mansion was burned down by Union soldiers during the American Civil War. Oh, no. Oh, no. But his spirit remained his place and his corpse was placed into an old tree in the caverns underneath the house by his servants. So basically, the guy who committed suicide that the game starts off committed suicide because this creepy occult dude spirit was trying to possess him. And so all the monsters in the game, you come to find out, are basically him trying to do that. So if you die at one point, as you start to learn, you actually get an ending where you're possessed by a creepy occult dude. And then you see an image of supernatural horrors being unleashed on the world. That's kind of dope. I know, right? If you're successful, you make your way into said old tree. You burn the whole mess down. You find your way back to the front door. They pop open. You leave the house. There's a car outside with a driver outside. I don't know anything about that. I have no explanation. And he whisks you away to civilization. Uh, in a last minute gotcha, the driver is revealed to be a zombie. Dun, dun, dun. Like I said, it's a series. So there's actually a couple games. Now the gameplay, hmm. I compared it to Resident Evil. Uh, you know, I'm going to make that comparison. That's the way the gameplay is like, you know, fixed camera angle and 3D movement. There are puzzles to solve. You can pick up things such as weapons to try and fight off all these creepy things. Some can be killed with weapons. Some have to be killed special ways. Like there's an enemy. You have to find a mirror and show itself in the mirror to kill. So puzzles too. Damn, must have been ugly. It's very ugly, you know, but you can't pick up everything because inventory space is determined by weight. So you have to kind of pick and choose what you bring with you at any one time. Now, what I will say about this game is that that's a very enjoyable story. Um, if you want to enjoy it, there are playthroughs on YouTube that shorten everything where you can sit through the story in about an hour. I think I, wa I, I watched one for good measure that was 58 minutes. But if you want to play through the game, it's about a four to six hour playthrough. It's not a big investment. I took some time to play through it. But, but this game plays and it feels every bit like it was made in 1992. You know, it's slow. It's cumbersome. It's literally the first 3D survival horror game and it looks like it. Um, you know, I always recommend playing or watching these games to understand their place in gaming history. And I think a lot of those games transcend their time or what have you. But this one's really hard to recommend to a modern gamer as a good video game. Now, I can recommend it as a good story, but it's hard to recommend it as a good video game. It it It's just so slow and cumbersome. It's It's painful. It's painful. I mean, it was great at the time because it's all we had, but it's really painful now. I will I will absolutely admit that, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can understand games like that. Definitely it, played a few myself. Yeah. I mean, like I said, watch it. It's a game I would probably suggest watching. I put it on while cooking. I put that playthrough on while cooking to, you know, because um, I had played it some time back. And I, I put the playthrough on while cooking to watch it. And I mean, it's a it was a nice filler. There's a 92 was mostly text and 94. They kind of updated the game with um, voiceover. So some of the story you can if you find a version from that, you can find voiceover. But it's I don't know. It's one of those games and they've never remade it. 
Now they ported it to the iOS. They ported it to the Apple ecosystem in like 2014, I think it was. But they made no upgrade updates to the game. They didn't even really optimize it for touch. So it's notorious for being a really bad port. Um, I mean, in 2014, that compute the, the phones were probably a jillion times faster than that computer. And someone's like, hey, this will work, you know. Um, but yeah. That's it. That's alone in the dark. And that's what I think about it. But we're about at that point where enough, enough, nobody wants to hear me talk anymore. So let's go back and see what other people thought about the game when it came out, which is Rob's territory. Rob, what you got for us today? All righty, Dave. Well, critic reviews are where we're kicking it off. And we're starting up with Scopia's review, which was written in Computer Gaming World issue 107. She writes that Alone in the Dark is one of a crop of newer spooky titles that are puzzles with a touch of hack and slash and weird things that happen along the way. The designers, she adds, have done a good job in establishing mood, which is very important for these types of video games. Sound is used to good effect. Floors and doors creak, Each weapon has its own sound, your character grunts with the sound of his efforts, and there are moans and howls through the air. She notes that the game's camera angles give it a cinematic approach, which is very effective in keeping you alert and worried about what's going to happen next. In the end, she calls Alone in the Dark a nice change of pace from the usual run of adventure games. I mean, she she certainly wasn't excited about it, it seems like, but it was different. There were some positives, but there were some negatives as well. You know, in the same issue of Computer Gaming World, Charles Ardai praised the game, stating that no previous game had caused him to jump in fright at the slightest sound. He wrote, I feel that I've been inside a real house. He described the game as truly a diabolical simulation, rich in evil imaginings and unexpected twists. Did it have twists? You you tell me, Dave. Did it have twists? It does. It's pretty good, actually. See? There you go. So, I mean, it's got rich and evil imaginings and unexpected twists. There you go. There it is. A review for the Macintosh version in Next Generation stated that eerie flowing movement and less is more polygonal simplicity makes this Lovecraft-inspired game all the more creepy. Praising the game's sound effects balance of action with more cerebral gameplay and mood set and camera angles. The reviewer dubbed it a breakthrough game. There you go. That's one that, you know, more so speaks to where this thing sits in history. But just to say, Dave, you got the good, you got the bad. Sometimes you get a little bit of both. Very true. But enough with the critics. Cause you know, th- them are, just some uppity people sometimes it can be cool but you know you know they're critics we care more about the people do we well i do i can't speak for you okay but we'll move on to it so it's hard to find reviews from 1992 as we often talk about but even though this game hasn't been remastered you can find versions of the original trilogy on steam and good old games and Gamers have a lot to say about the same on there. 
as well as our usual place, Moby Games, which was, you know, bought out, like we said earlier. It is. It's owned by Atari SA nowadays. Yeah, crazy. Hmm. Crazy how this is coming full circle. That's it. For instance, Russ S. on Moby Games says Alone in the Dark is the granddaddy of survival horror. It's just not that scary. It's all there. Obscure camera angles, claustrophobic environments, monsters that pop out behind you. Alone in the Dark has them all in a primitive form. Plus, it tries to be an adventure game on top. The gameplay is good and solid. You must spend time searching and manipulating items, which the engine handles very well. The controls are slow to respond, but that adds to the creepy effect of the game, and I never felt frustrated. The music is sparse and helps to notify you of any dangers, which is handy, even if not very original. The graphics are fairly poor, though. The 3D characters are all blocky, whilst the pre-rendered backgrounds aren't very detailed, though they never leave you confused. For a horror game, though, it's just not that scary. The clean and simple graphics and lumbering beasts mean you can always see the danger. And frankly, the monsters just don't look scary. Russ finishes his review by saying that the puzzles can also be mystifying and often unclear as to what you should do to overcome an obstacle. As in any game, illogical puzzles become its undoing as they destroy the atmosphere. Mm. I think you find that a lot with games in this time period. You know, they had limited resources and limited technology and and they didn't really think about that or bug test as much or any of the above. You know, we we were discussing King's Quest and King's Quest has spots in it too where you would just you would just, you know, hit a dead end. This game, for instance, has... So towards the end of the game, you need to go into the caverns underneath the house, right? And the caverns underneath the house are dark, so you need light to be able to see your way through. You can't get through it unless there's light. You just you just can't do it. So it it's, it's, you'll be killed automatically type deal. The only way to get light is with an oil lamp, and oil is a limited resource. And if you don't know that, you won't keep enough oil in the lamp to be able to get through the caverns so technically you could play this game to the near the end and get to a spot where it's impossible for you to continue now that sucks but you got to consider this is a four to six hour game so maybe you're losing four or five hours of progress and we've all been in situations nowadays where we've frustratingly lost probably four hours of progress but that's a very different context now than the entire game back then when all games are four hours, you know what I mean? Yeah, but also now we have saves that happen pretty frequently. We do. The world is very different, but it wasn't uncommon in games back then for them to have illogical, you know, logic stops that no one thought of. This one just happened to have a nasty one towards the end of the game. So hmm. that's very interesting, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Dave, next up. We have Cicada on Moby Games, who writes that Alone in the Dark is a landmark adventure which started the survival horror genre. He writes that, first off, I bought this game when it first came out. I was amazed by the fluid 3D graphics, haunting camera angles, and tricky puzzles. I was an instant fan. The story is basically a haunted house plot, but has a surprising depth to it 
thanks largely to the fantastically written books that are found around the mansion. The puzzles, unlike the simplistic fodder that's featured in more recent games of the genre, of the genre such as the famous Resident Evil, are challenging and thought-provoking, but are never without clues, however hidden. The puzzles, while good, also had a hidden evil in that it's possible to stuff something up, leaving you unable to finish the game without restoring. Also, some sudden death is featured, so save often and use multiple saves. The game is fairly short. On the first time through, you will likely not have more than a few days and subsequent plays are completed in under an hour. Lastly, the battle system is a a little confusing at times because of the camera angles. All in all, Alone in the Dark is a fantastic survival horror game which started the entire genre. It suffers slightly from being unwinnable situations, but if you're a fan of the genre, then you really should check it out, if only just to see where it all began. That's, I agree. Clearly, I already said that. <laughs> yeah, you, you seem to have taken a lot of uh, different points from that review there, exactly. Hey, 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 mm-hmm. I have my own ideas. Mm-hmm. I have my own ideas. Thank you very much. Well, Dave, let's just see how much like that you are, because uh, I, I don't know. I'm thinking that this last one you're going to have some stuff from, too. Okay, whatever. Last up, we have Alfari on Steam, who writes that before Resident Evil arrived on the scene, was Alone in the Dark. The concept is pretty much the same. It's just this game feels much more difficult, and, to be honest, a lot creepier. The controls are awkward, and some of the animations feel like your character has a back brace on, but if you can look past these, the game is truly great. You receive little to no guidance, and a lot is just left for you to puzzle out yourself. I died twice in the first room because I didn't use my brain. It's that sort of game. Enemy come through the window? Push a cabinet in front quickly. Enemy comes through the trapdoor? Push a box on top of it to stop it opening. It's things like these which are obvious, but games these days don't let you think for yourself and instead hand you a weapon. Do they, though? Oh, most games I would say do, Dave. Most games give you weapons. All right. I'll give it a pass. Alfari continues saying, Some of the deaths so far I've had, fallen through the floor, killed by a ghost, killed by a painting throwing an axe at me. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's just, you know, Legend of Zelda. Yep. You know, yeah. Uh, killed by a worm. Killed by a spider. Killed by a damn book. Fact. This game really tests you. They continue saying the sound effects are amazing for their time and are still great to this day. They finish by saying if you can look past the rough edges and like a good survival horror game, give this game a go. I played it when I was younger and loved it. And now fully grown, I still love it. I just suck at it now. <laughs> See, I'm the I'm the opposite. I don't feel like I suck at games now. I feel like games that I I don't know if maybe I didn't have the maturity, patience, or mental capacity to complete back then, I, I don't have any issues with now. Like, this game is easy. Uh, period. It's just easy. 
Yeah, just, no, I'm I'm the same way. Games that I used to struggle with a ton, I'm like, wow, I struggled with this? What the hell? Now, that's puzzle games, thought games, strategy games, like games I have to use my brain for. Now, reflexive games, like arcade, old arcade games, I, I will admit I probably struggle with those a little bit. Um, I probably struggle with those. That also reminded me, Rob, we still have to play the Simpsons arcade game. I'm really surprised you've never played that. Uh, yeah, me too. I would we should really play that you'll really like it all right well let's talk about the game's legacy what what it did what it left behind let's let's jump at it huh uh yeah what what, what legacy did it leave behind other than coming from a studio that's huge well i mean it's just it got the name now it sold well for starters by 97 well? by 97 600,000 copies by the year Ooh, 2000, 2.5 million copies by Y2K. Wow, that's impressive as hell. It's been How about on, now. I have no clue, to be honest with you. Lame. Zero, zero clue. The numbers kind of fall off after then. It's been on various best game of all time lists, been on the most influential games of all time lists. And in a lot of ways, it does live up to that reputation. You know, for instance, I compare it to Resident Evil because more people know Resident Evil, but realistically, Resident Evil should be compared to it. The director of Resident Evil admitted that he only adopted the fixed camera viewpoint of the original Resident Evil after seeing Alone in the Dark. And that helped them solve the same problem that they were having, which they couldn't figure out how to get the PlayStation to render the backgrounds and when they picked this this fixed camera angle and and decided that they could do 3D rendering with 2D fixed backgrounds, it kind of solved their problem, um, which is exactly why Alone in the Dark adopted it. So there you go. Alone in the Dark, along with Sweet Home, which we talked about, we talked about Sweet Home during our Resident Evil episode, are the two games credited with inventing the survival horror genre. Sweet Home, there's a lot of argument that Sweet Home is the first true survival horror game, but Alone in the Dark is really considered the forefather of the genre who brought it to the masses. You know, Sweet Home isn't really known outside of Japan, and Alone in the Dark was kind of a worldwide hit. And now, of course, Alone in the Dark gave it to Resident Evil, who took the genre and ran with it. You know, in fact, the term survival horror was first used in the marketing campaign for Resident Evil. So those three games, your Sweet Home, Alone in the Dark, and Resident Evil are your survival horror granddaddy trifecta. Yeah, Alabama is pretty terrifying. Did I say Alabama? No, I did. Sweet Home, Alabama. Oh, Sweet Home, Alabama. Got it. It was lost Uh on me. Uh (laughs) So let's talk about Alone in the Dark itself, all right? All right, let's talk about Alone in the Dark itself, Dave. Because you've never heard of it before. I've never heard of it. But it still exists. I promise. Still? No. No, kind of, sort of. So there was an Alone in the Dark sequel in 93, Alone in the Dark 2. Nope. Alone in the Dark 3 came out in 94. Alone in the Dark, The New Nightmare came out in 2001. Nope. They made another Alone in the Dark, which is kind of a reimagining in 2008. Nope. And Alone in the Dark Illumination was made in 2015. Were these PlayStation games? Alone in the Dark 2008 was Xbox 360, if I'm not mistaken. 
Alone in the Dark, The New Nightmare 2001, probably was PlayStation 2 and Xbox. I'm pretty sure. Illumination's actually a four-person co-op game, uh, like an online four-person co-op game. Um, oh. Now, with that being said, it's the reviews are not good for it. It's it's oh. trash. So, but it's a it's a four-person co-op shooter. It sucks, but it's four-player. I know, right? <laughs> we always we always get excited when we find new co-op games, but you know. Oh man. So, just a side note, Illumination is the last title in the series that will probably ever be published by Atari because the Alone in the Dark uh, IP intellectual property was sold to THQ Nordic at some point after 2015. So, THQ Nordic owns Alone in the Dark now. Wow. And given that, the fact that later games in the series rated really, really poorly, I don't know when or if we'll see an Alone in the Dark. Also, like the THQ Nordic games weren't good. No, no, they haven't made anything with the, with the IP yet. Uh, oh, I just like Illumination or yeah, remake in two thousand eight. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, those were oh, okay. the two thousand eight uh, remake is really weird. It's not like a straightforward linear game. It's like a it's like a paranormal investigation type game, and it plays out in episodes. Remember how last. Uh, king's quest episode we were talking about how there was a period in time everyone thought episodic gaming was super cool and and was trying to jump on that formula yep ding 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 um not that they made it as episode one episode two episode three but they divided the game up into chapters which they called episodes and it's just a bunch of mini episodes about paranormal investigation so gotcha there's also two movies in the series Interesting. Alone in the Dark came out in 2005 and Alone in the Dark 2 came out in 2008. Nope, still never heard of them. Alone in the Dark, the first one, was made by our gaming, the gaming community's favorite director, Uwe Bull, who I've talked about before. He's the king of making awful movies, notorious for ruining video game franchise movies. And Alone in the Dark may be one of his masterpieces, actually. It has received overwhelmingly negative reviews for its story, dialogue, special effects, and some of its acting. It stars Christian Slater, Tara Reid, and Stephen Dorff, so that comes as absolutely no surprise. Um, in fact, Tara Reid's acting, that's one of the movies that people like. Yeah, it's Tara Reid. <laughs> it also has a 1% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Making it by the numbers, one of the worst movies rated on the website. One percent. Not the worst. Uh, it may be very close to the, but I I couldn't I can't I can't I can't speak to that. But it I can tell you for sure because I went and I looked. It only has a one one percent approval rating. Great job, guys. Good job. There is also somewhere out there a single comic book that was made uh, tied to one of the games. And the title of the comic book, it's Alone in the Dark, Life is a Hideous Thing. I think it's tied to Alone in the Dark, Night, the New Nightmare, the 2001, um, the 2001 game. Hmm. Um, so one single, ep- like not even a comic book series, it's one comic book. I think it was made by Dark Knight, um, the comic book publisher. Like, oh, not Batman. No, no. The, the, yeah, no. And that's it. So let's be honest, thanks to the ineptitude of poor development teams, uh, an awful director who made movies for it, 
and so on and so forth. Who knows if we'll ever see another game in the the series? Ah, yeah, who am I kidding? They they like to dig up old series and make new games. Sometimes somewhere THQ Nordic will wise up and they'll make a you know there'll be a, a opportunity for a survival horror game. You know, a gap, and they'll be like, we're bringing back the granddaddy of survival horror games. You know. Yeah, I mean, look at what they did with Spyro and Crash Bandicoot. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. someone will actually use the IP right at some time. We, we can all hope, can't we? We can hope, but who knows? Who knows? Only time will tell. Until then, remain alone in the dark. Oh, that was good. That's, that was really good. But not too alone in the dark, because there's creepy things that bump in the night. So yeah, so that's alone in the uglies. <laughs> so that's alone in the dark. Um, yeah, inspiration for for a whole genre of video games. To be fair to it, it was the inspiration for a whole genre of video games. You know, you can you can Resident Evil definitely kicked this genre off, and it took direct inspiration from this one and Sweet Home. So it it very much is you know give credit to it. Um, there is debate over whether Sweet Home is actually a survival horror game. And so to some people, this is the first survival horror game. But I mean, they can share it for all I care. I mean, both are both are have have bits and pieces of it, you know. So. No, no sharing. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, if you'd like to learn more about Sweet Home, you can find it in our Resident Evil episode. Also, we talked a little bit today about some microprose games like Civilization or Roller Coaster Tycoon, which we've also done previous episodes on. You can find these episodes anywhere that you can download your favorite podcasts, like A Trip Down Memory Card Lane, and you can also find them on our website at www.memorycardlane.com. On memorycardlane.com, there are also, uh, you can learn all about us. You can see a calendar of upcoming episodes I have the next month on there. It runs through June at the moment. Got to take some time and update it very quickly now that I'm talking about it, thinking about it. There is a link to our Discord where we like to play video games with our listeners and friends, which are typically one and the same. Thank you, listeners and friends. And um, have community game stuff like, you know, we're playing Terraria at the moment. I I don't know what we're going to move on to. Rob, we got to think about that indeed we do dave indeed we do um also there's links to our social media i can be found on various platforms as david is wrong and rob hit your plug i can be found on twitch.tv forward slash f-a-t-b-o-i-r-i-p-z awesome 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 all right folks well each week we teach you about a game such as alone in the dark this game And in doing so, we hope to teach you something new about said game, what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world as its legacy. As part of this process, we learn. You know, I I learned all about Alone in the Dark. So in acknowledgement of what we learn, we like to go around table and talk about our biggest takeaways or what we did know. So Rob, what's your your favorite thing to take away from today's episode? Well, I had never heard of this game or Infogrames. Or known that Atari SA made so many games that I've played. Uh, so it's pretty cool to know that this essentially is the start of not only like one of my more enjoyable series. Like I, I love Resident Evil and the survival horror genre. It's, it's a lot of fun. 
um, well, survival or horror or both. They're a lot of fun. Um, but you know, it's just, it's crazy to know that it's all so interconnected and apparently this game slipped past me and the entire series, which is just mind blowing to me. You're not the only one. I, I hadn't played an alone in the dark until preparing for this episode or like when I was playing, when I had some free time earlier this year and I was trying to play games that we would come up against. That was the first time I'd ever played this game. So don't feel bad. It, it, I grew up with the series and never, and never, I never did. I never did. Hmm. I never, never knew. So, well, Dave, what about you? What, what was your favorite thing to learn? Dick system. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You got I mean, me I mean, come on, man. Like, okay. I do know Infogrames. Infogrames is once a very, very large name in the industry. And to be fair to you, you're thinking of those as Atari games and some of them were Infogrames games. So just keep that in mind. Um, they didn't always have the name that happened somewhere in the middle of everything, you know? Uh, but uh, it was really funny to me to be like, yeah, we thought of naming our company Dick System, but eh, we weren't sure how people were going to react to that. So we we, we decided on uh, informational programmer. OK, I mean, that's a complete 180, right? No, absolutely. I, I was just taking more of a, an actual educational approach. But yeah, you, you got a point that that uh, is the, probably the most entertaining piece of information to have learned now about the majority if, of any video games. If you're going to make me pick an educational piece, I was fascinated by... I, I like how they p- decided to design this game. Uh, I don't know if it's something that we've seen before, right? So they had a concept, and then they designed a series of sketches, and they took those sketches to the entire company, all the artists in the company, and they said, here's a contest make us more and the best person gets to design, be the graphic artist on this game. And they did. And, and that, you know, she won a contest and then she married the director of the game and they had a family for the last 30 years. You know what I mean? You know, you, you gotta stop and wonder now that I'm thinking about it and you, you put it that way. Did he pick her because he liked her? Exactly. Yeah. I, I thought about that. I don't know if they were, they, there's no indication that they were romantically involved at first. It's something that apparently came later on because they had really. Mean he could have been like, "Hey, baby, remember when cute. I yeah. you that win? Yeah, 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 yeah. How would you like to go out and have some fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I think it's fascinating that I think it's fascinating that this they kind of picked. You know, it was kind of a, they worked their way from. It just it was. I like the way it worked out. The CEO says, "I want to make a game where you light a match and it lights up the room and you can see. And then when the match goes out, you can't." And somehow we got a progression from that to a game about a you know a cultist pirate building a 1920s mansion in Louisiana. It's kind of a cool progression. So, but yeah. All right, Rob. Well, that's all in the dark. We did it. That we did, Dave. Now we made it through the dark. We made but it not the alone. Dark. Well, we opened the door and now the zombie driver is taking us back to town. So vroom, 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 vroom. Now, before I take it out of here, what would you like to add to today's episode? Well, Dave, as always, I would like to take a quick moment to say thank you to everyone for listening. We hope you never grow tired of hearing our voices because I know that I'm sick of hearing Dave's already. Good. I like it. 
You should listen you. to you should listen to episodes, then you'll get not so tired of your voice. Promise. Yeah. It, uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not tired of my voice, just yours. Oh shit. Okay. Ha 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 Got him. Sure Got did. Him here, folks. Sure him in did. Whatever audio recording quality this is. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna take it out of here. Uh, next week we are. Oh, that's really good timing. Uh, next week, we are looking at what is one of the, not the, but one of the largest video game franchises of all time. If you're wondering why I said that's good timings, because my games list just indicated that I have a friend playing the largest uh, video game sports franchise of all time. So I thought the timing was kind of ironic, but that's not what we're looking at. We're looking at one of the largest. Started way back in 1988, John Madden Football is an American football game series that was developed by Electronic Arts. It's the only video game series licensed by the NFL itself right now, and it has generated billions, less than, yes, billions, as with a B, of dollars in revenue throughout since 1988. It's a huge franchise, and we're going to learn, there's a whole bunch of interesting stuff about it. So we're going to learn all these interesting things about John Madden football. You like John Madden football, Rob? I have played John Madden football, Dave. Now, have you played John Madden football or have you played Madden football? Oh, fair enough. I played Madden, not John Madden football. So I played the original. I played the series that came from. I'm pretty sure. Well, I know for a fact it changed its name to Madden football before you were born. So Uh, we'll talk about that next week, too. So we're going to learn some interesting things about Madden football. So join us again next week as we hit the gridiron on yet another trip down memory card lane. Do the thing. Scooby-doo-bop-bop-bop-bop-doo-bow-wop-bop-bow.